Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Dear Montalmega, Donald Trump is not being indicted for you. He's never no, done a thing you for you. Are you kidding me with JoJo Here's what he Jersey. promised you. He said he would lower drug prices. He didn't. He said he'd protect people with pre-existing conditions. He didn't. He said he would repeal the Affordable Care Act and replace it with something beautiful. He didn't. And he didn't. He promised to eliminate the federal deficit. He didn't. As a matter of fact, he increased it by $7.8 trillion. He promised an infrastructure bill was coming in two weeks. It never came. He promised to build a wall and that Mexico was going to pay for it. He didn't, and they didn't. He promised his tax cuts for the wealthy and corporations would pay for themselves. They won't. In fact, they added $2 trillion to our national debt, and those billionaires are now 77% richer. He promised to end the opioid crisis, bring back coal, protect steel jobs, increase wages, stop factories from moving overseas, enact term limits, show his taxes, and that Hillary Clinton would be locked up. He didn't, and she isn't. He said he would make America great and put America first. He let a pandemic ravage our country and kept our nuclear secrets in his bathroom. But here's what he did do. He used your money to pay off a porn star. He mocked a disabled reporter, attacked a POW, bragged about sexual assault, got impeached twice, lost re-election, plotted a coup, incited an insurrection, and stole highly classified documents he knew he wasn't allowed to show to anyone but did. So now he's found himself with 91 charges. He's liable of business fraud and corruption, and he's liable of sexual abuse. And he's still facing other charges. And he didn't do any of that for you. He's an incurious, incompetent imbecile who is as corrupt and self-obsessed as he is dumb. And he's really, really dumb. He's a sociopathic traitor who has done nothing for you. Nothing. He's being indicted because of his actions, his selfishness, his disregard for the law and for the safety of our citizens. Because the truth is that aside from how much money you'll send him to pay his many, many lawyers, the T does not give a shit about you. He doesn't do anything for anyone but himself. And getting indicted is 100% about him, not you. Believe me. My guest today is Michael Steele. He's an American politician, an attorney, a political commentator, and host of the Michael Steele podcast, who served as the seventh lieutenant governor of Maryland from 2003 to 2007, and as chairperson of the RNC from 2009 until 2011. He was the first African-American to hold either office, and he really doesn't need an introduction. In this conversation, we talk a lot about the chaos that is currently underway in the United States House of Representatives and the hold that MAGA has on the Republican Party at large. Michael Steele is one of those former Republicans that I have found myself more aligned with than I could have ever imagined in my life, believe me. The thing is that our democracy 
is under attack. And if we can agree on only one thing, and that thing is that we need to protect and defend this democracy, then we are indeed allies. Because if we can't agree on that, then we can't debate all the stuff we don't agree on down the road. So enjoy. Welcome to the Are You Effing Kidding Me podcast. Michael Steele, a man who needs no introduction. Welcome hey. to the podcast. Joe, Joe, go. So good to be with you. I'm excited and I'm ready for the conversation. I'm so excited because um, we were going to talk about recipes and stuff because like, there's nothing going on. I'm looking forward to the meatballs. Come on. <laughs> I do have some good secrets on those turkey meatballs of mine. But okay, in all seriousness, holy shit. Right now, as we're having this conversation, no. we are watching a vote. Um, well, we, we were watching a vote on the floor of the House of the Rep- the floor of the House of Representatives, where Jim, election denying, Medal of what did he get? The Medal of Honor instead of a pardon, Jordan <laughs> wrestling, um, cover upper of abuse is the lead. Yeah. Sort of- for the Republican um, nomination for Speaker of the House that he uh, tried essentially to destroy from the outside in, and now they're taking a vote. He doesn't have the votes, but um, I guess what I'm hoping is that an expert like you can make sense of this stump. Well, I, I, I wish I could, so let's talk about <laughs> meatballs. Um, I, I can't. So right now the vote is 211 for Jeffries, 199 for Jordan, five for McCarthy, seven for Scalise, and four for other, which means that there are 16 Republicans who have voted against Jordan. He can no law, he can add no more than four uh, vote against him. So the reality of it is we go to another ballot. But here's the here's the rub, Joe, when you when you break it all down. Um, the House does not want this man to be speaker. There's not a Republican um, with uh, with a half a brain cell inside the caucus who wants him to be speaker. In fact, even those, um, uh, you know, who are supposedly Jim Jordan supporters know that this guy is wholly incompetent to the job. As a legislator of which he has been for 16 years, do you know how many bills Jim Jordan has had passed with his name as the lead author? Michael, is it zero? Zero. <laughs> zero. He's had zero bills mm. with his name as the lead sponsor passed in the Congress in 16 years. He is um, nothing more than um, a, a bomb thrower, uh, election denier, um, who has been elevated to this position because Trump has basically uh, created that pathway for him. So now we're watching this happen. Liz Cheney, I thought, said it best. Um, If you nominate Jim Jordan, which the party has done, certainly now if you elect him as speaker, um, that basically you're what the House Republicans are saying is we have abandoned the Constitution. Um, We don't give a rat's ass about what you think or feel about January 6th um, and uh, effectively has said to the country, we dare you to take the majority away from us. So now it's the balls in our court, people, the balls in our court. How about that? Um, It's like the we the people thing. It's almost as if. Yeah. Well, and what was so what's so interesting about what you just said is that Elise Stefanik stood up on the House floor, and that's the, how she began the session uh, by claiming that Jim Jordan is the right man because he stands for we the people. Hmm. No, he doesn't. 
Uh, he never has, and he never will. And, and, and it presents a real challenge for us. Uh, and, and in one sense, I'll tell you, Joe, it sets up the 2024 election uh, paradigm, for me at least, very clearly. You are either an illiberal, anti-Constitution, anti-democratic citizen, or you are a pro-democracy, pro-Constitution, you know, American who wants to move us off of this uh, and away from this to preserve the dignity of of liberal democracy, small alpha people out there who may be freaking out because I use the term liberal. And 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 I think it's an important it's an important um, juxtaposition right now to watch this thing unfold the way it has, um, and continues to unfold. That informs us that uh, one party is prepared to govern, and we may disagree on on what those policies are, but at least they're prepared to govern. Um, and the other is not; it's incapable of that. And to that point, I have so many questions. First of all, my congressman voted for Jim Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. This is a this is a state that went for Biden. Um, this is not a county that went for Biden or a district that went for Biden. But nonetheless, um, uh, this is I'm very disappointed. But I'll just like move off of that. Um, you know, they it's not even that they are incapable of governing. They don't seem to want to. Right. They don't seem to be interested in governing. And I often think of what's going on now as this attack on the House of Representatives from the inside out, because the one from the outside in failed. Um, and this feels like the same sort of idea to dismantle the institution. Um, it's like the, the call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. yes, it is. Right. And and because I feel yeah, like the yeah. dysfunction is the point. The chaos is the point. Yeah. And um, I, I was very, very lucky last night to see Nancy Pelosi um, do an interview at the 92nd Street Y in the city. And- I saw that photo, the two of you. Um, I was going to comment on, on look, look who you stumbled into. <laughs> I just, oh, I have a bit of the vapors, let me tell you, because. I'm shaking now. Like I was so, I, she, okay, so many words. It's just amazing and so inspiring. And I was, it was so restorative to hear this like completely competent, brilliant woman discussing like real issues, real things, government, democracy, you know, and she's watching this show unfold. And the reason that she's there is thanks to Donald Trump in 2016. But I digress because um, you know, what she said last night was she, she doesn't, she doesn't her fundamental question is why are those republicans who are just sort of going along with and we haven't yet seen all of them do this but there are the my congressman keen uh among them why are they in congress if they don't want to do the job and it's disappointing because i know tom keen very well tom and i um uh were on the ballot together in 2006 uh, both running for the united states senate he from jersey me from maryland and I know his daddy, I know his family. He is not, he's not that kind of Republican. He's not. And he's not a Jim Jordan Republican by any stretch of the imagination. And it speaks to how much one has to compromise of one's values and beliefs in order to hold a position. I'm sorry, my mama raised me. God bless her. She passed away about a month ago. I'm sorry. Um, thank you. She that, But the one thing she taught me was how to be myself and be true to me at all times. 
And maybe it's why God has sort of designed this time in my life to be outside of politics because I'd be blowing shit up. I just, I, I just, child, they they would know. They didn't know what to do with me as chairman. Uh, I, they, right now, if I were a member of the United States Senate or a member of the House or chairman of the party, this, this, I, I would be fighting tooth and nail against all of this, and and it would be worth sacrificing the job for the principle. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, that the Tom Kings and, and the, the Bacons and the others in the house, uh, who are moderate Republicans, um, and now I even take that back who are not, who are not MAGA yeah. Republicans who are not beholden to this, this corrupt, uh, vile, uh, ideology. Um, fine. I love the word that you used a little bit earlier, uh, in reference to Nancy, this, re you know, restorative find restoration in each other and come together and say, you know what, if the seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 of us stand together, we can do something important. Uh, and that is to say no to this mm -hmm. and say yes to a Tom Cole. Go to the Democrats and say, if you get behind Tom Cole, you've got our 12 votes and boom, we can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's because I don't expect I don't expect people to necessarily. And it's a lot to ask in, in a, a very partisan vote like this. And it shouldn't be, but it is because the speaker's position should be a, is a honestly a nonpartisan position. But it's hard to get people to sort of cross that line. But when you look at what lies ahead, if you don't, I, I think you have to, right? I think you have to. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I think it's important for the country to see that, and and it'll help in order to help us get over this poison that we seem to be stuck in, stuck in. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like I'm in search of this answer to a, a question, a question, and I'll never find the answer. I can't find it. I keep turning up every stone and talking to everybody that knows this stuff inside and out, like you and I. Ne never seems the answer seems to evade me, nonetheless. Which is, you know, why? Like, why do they keep yielding to the angriest, loudest voices? And I and I've had a myriad of answers. You know, from regaling, saying literal physical fear to everyone else talking about primaries to you know me thinking that this is a masterclass in cowardice. But they do. They they all they need. They, so, they have the power in their hands to reverse this to to stop the lunacy right now. It's all of those things you just mentioned, and it all boils down to what I just said. They value the seat the title and the position more than they desire or value uh, the responsibility, the job um, and the constitution. And so it's about my reelection. It's about, I don't want anything said or written or, uh, you know, Truth. put out there negatively about me yeah. um, because this generation of Congress, it's all about me. It's not about you. I use you as a way to get here, but once I'm here, it's all about me. Um, and it remains all about me. And, and so what voters have to recognize is that you're not a part of the equation anymore. Money trumps you because they dumb you down with ads and, and, and spending and, you know, on things that, that sort of distract you away from the fact that Jim Jordan, who's 
represented his congressional district for eight terms, 16 years, has not once passed a bill. He's voted against a lot of shit, but he's never passed a bill. Mm -hmm. He's never had members in the Congress come to him and say, hey, can I co-sponsor that with you? Hey, uh, I like where you're going with this bill. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll sign up. Right. That's never happened. How you have a 16-year career in the House of Representatives and not have one piece? I mean, it wasn't there a damn post office you could get <laughs> named in your district? I mean, what the shit are you doing? Wasn't Why are you there? Was there a general who needed a post office named after? Right? I mean, come on. I mean, fi- find a Confederate general <laughs> that you really like and just put his name on the building, for God's sake. You well, know, did- okay, if you can't find a Confederate general, then get. How about the Grand Poobah, the KKK in your backyard? <laughs> what? Who? Come on. Well, it, but it, no, it, it, yeah. he doesn't. So it, that, that's the kind of leadership that the party has right now. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The country keeps voting for it. I'm sorry, I'm not taking us out of off the hook here. No. We keep voting and I had somebody push back on me recently when I said that. And, you know, it's like, you know, that's not, I don't live there. That's not my congressional district. And I'm like, I I get it. I I don't live in in, um, Ohio. I don't live in New Jersey. I live in Maryland. And, you know, some of our, my elected officials here vote crazy. You know what I do? I don't vote for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just don't vote for them. And I speak out against them. And, you know, that should be part of the process. It really should be. And uh, it doesn't help matters for Jim Jordan that his district used to look like a duck the way it was drawn. I mean, literally, I think they chopped its bill off recently, like for the. Right. So it's like missing its bill, but it's essentially still the freaking gerrymandered duck. It's like Tetris, but you've almost <laughs> lost the game. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how you also get to be Jim Jordan without doing anything of any consequence. Right. And then you, you end up being this. I've heard from several people that he's not just like incompetent. He's he's notoriously sloppy and yes. ill-prepared yes. And, and disorganized. I mean, it's I've like hand, the- it's like handing a hangry, dirty diapered toddler, you know, like the, like the keys to the bus. Like, yep. what are you doing? <laughs> yep. No, I, that that's exactly what we're looking at, and. Um, I don't know why people think that they could they can continue to persist down this road, Joe, and there are no consequences and the results going to be different. I, I don't know how insanity. you think that putting someone who conspired and I'll use it the term I, I I've read the evidence so in my view conspired with Donald Trump to overthrow overturn the election results of 2020 conspired with Donald Trump. Uh, on January 6th, mm-hmm. um, 
and conspired against the Constitution by refusing to appear when summoned by a duly uh, authorized subpoena uh, to testify to what he knew and his involvement in those affairs. Um, and how you think by making him speaker, things are going to get better. <laughs> that, that oh, wait, wait, wait. That little budget thing that comes to a head on November 17th, that the guy who's stood against the the continuing resolution and is and actually agitated against Kevin McCarthy for actually negotiating a deal to avert a shutdown of the government, that guy is now mm -hmm. going to rally Republicans to go work with Joe Biden. <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh that's that's the equivalent of me saying I'm a natural blonde. Okay, because <laughs> and wait by a the minute, way, what? No, <laughs> don't, no. Don't I? You know, you never heard it. I never said it. Nobody okay. heard that. Thank so you. everybody. Oh, girl, you yeah. scared me. There, for a <laughs> I thought Nancy Pelosi said something like that last night about not about her hair, but just about nobody heard that in front of a, of a crowd of full of people. Like, just don't tell anyone. <laughs> um. So you said what's his name's name to use Nancy Pelosi's pet name for what's his name. You brought him up, you know, it's like saying Voldemort, but you said, you know, Donald Trump. And right. that's the thing, too. It feels like I mean, I feel like some of the stuff going on in the world, all roads lead to Putin. But in this particular case, all roads lead to Trump and this this particular chaos, because we know Jim Jordan is going to be his, you know, uh, ball washer, to put it politely, and that really what he's there to do is be his toady, and and Matt Gates is going to facilitate that. But so the dysfunction, again, being the whole point of this, um, you know, this being Trump's design to control the House of Representatives, the thing that he's actually indicted for, you know, as trying to impact the official proceedings of the House of Representatives, right. he's now trying to do it through this little puppet who doesn't wear a jacket. So my question is, Ultimately, A, is this chaos that they are sowing and creating, because we're going to get a shutdown with a Speaker Jordan or without a Speaker, period, either way, right. is the chaos ultimately helpful to Trump? Because he probably thinks it is, because he probably thinks it'll distract from his you know, Mount Everest of indictments and likely convictions, his liable for business fraud case, his liable for sexual abuse case. Is, is this ultimately helpful to him, this chaos that's going on now? Yeah, I, I that's a that's actually a, a, an excellent question, um, and I appreciate the the framing um, because it, it, we need to keep in mind something I think we've essentially lost track of, and and that is they told us what they were going to do. Mm -hmm. They told us in in the inaugural week of of twenty seventeen that they were going to deconstruct the administrative state. What it would, would require is getting the Republican establishment that proclaimed and absolutely defended. In, in one sense, they kind of remind me of the worst kind of, of Judas and Peter hmm. um, at the same time, was to try to convince them who believed that they could protect us from Donald Trump and that they would be there to correct his illiberal behavior and his desires to um, uh, uh, remake government, that they would, in fact, wind up being the easiest participants and the or perpetrators of this idea. And, it, and it's planned out. 
Mm. Once you got, once you turn the corner and get a a, 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 Graham, a Lindsey Graham who says, oh my God, if we make him the, you know, the head of our party, we're dead in the water, standing and going, we can't be anything without Trump. Mm -hmm. Once you turn that corner, you're done. Mm -hmm. So now what you're seeing playing out is the execution of that thing, what we were told was going to happen and how it's playing itself out in the myriads of way, slowly reshaping, taking over, pushing aside, diminishing, eliminating, frustrating the purposes of various institutions and, and, and ideologies uh, to the point that the American people sit back and go, well, it's all corrupt, it's all broken, I don't care. And here we are. Yeah. So that was the second part of that question I was going to ask, you know, will Americans see what's really going on and how do we get there? Because like you said, it's like uh, there's this quote about democracy dying very slowly and then all at once. Right. Like, right. I, that's that's me paraphrasing. And I think it's from how democracies die, literally, which is a book I read in 2016. And, and it's uh, more relevant now than ever. But um yeah. So this idea that they keep sort of dismantling institutions, the importance of institutions, the reverence for institutions, by also like stoking the normalization of violence and all of these extreme, far, far extreme right positions that are becoming increasingly normalized. We, you know, we see it with a six-year-old stabbed 26 times um, in the chest in Chicago, oh, et cetera. How, how, how is the country not outraged by that? I don't understand it either. How is the country not outraged? A six-year-old. I can't. 26 times? I can't. I like will get very upset because- it, And you like kill him because he's a Muslim? Yep. And you, and you, you attack his mom because <laughs> what? You're pissed off at the Palestinians? I don't- and no one, no one seems to care. Nope, nope. It just it 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 says so how much we are devoid of our own humanity now. We don't. I look at you and I don't see a human being by design. By right. design. And so much of what you were talking about before about how they thought that they could, you know, check his illiberal liberal impulses, et cetera. It seems so, so in, like reminds me so much of what I remember learning about Hitler, where they said, oh, the Germans really believed that they could keep Hitler in line, that, they, you know, the, the, yeah. the leadership thought like because he was an outsider. Exactly. And what happened? What happened? Right. So, what it's happened? Not, so that they do echo each other. Obviously, it's not the same, but it is this dehumanization thing where the six year old can get stabbed in the stabbed 26 times. His mom gets up 12 times and it doesn't even make a ding, not even right. a ding right. on the news. I mean, you, I don't understand. I, I do understand. You understand how this is happening. And it's all it's I always think of it as part and parcel. I also think of it as an octopus. And these are many tentacles. It has way more than eight. But these are all tentacles of the same creature. And it's like so this this dismantlement of our institutions that this this like the degradation of of, of process right. of democracy coupled with all those other things especially that dehumanization thing we've seen this playbook before we have professional welder shana ford used vr training developed by forge fx to hone her skills as a welder the more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. 
Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. And it, it is amazing how history teaches us. There's a reason why history repeats. <laughs> right. Right. It repeats because we're not learning the lessons and we need to pay attention. Um, we, we've seen this movie. Yeah. And we have a good sense of how it plays out. The ending may not necessarily be the way the last one ended. Uh, and that's the thing to always keep in mind about why history tries to remind us of the mistakes that we've made before, because it is saying to us in this moment, yeah, the allies won the last time, mm -hmm. may not win this time, because you're dealing in a different environment now. The allies are fractured. The the hard right, that 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 underbelly element is in a much stronger position. It is much more unified and unifying uh, than it was before. So being on your guard requires a great deal more, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you've got to be able to, to stand up and to stand into that moment, uh, which is why, you know, I was, I was looking at a tweet, you know, that, that, that was at the end of this vote, it, he didn't get it on the first round. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, 20 Republicans voted no against him, voted against him. 20 Republicans ultimately voted against him. And right now people are saying that those 18 Republicans in those congressional districts won by Joe Biden, um, five of whom are out of New York, right? You have a chance to do something and to get it right. And, th and that's 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 a, a microcosm of the bigger test to your question that all of us have to face. Are we prepared to do this right? Uh, you know what? I I can tell you if I can look at your audience and I can tell them right up, straight up. I like Joe. I think she likes me. We get along really well, right? Mm -hmm. But when we get past all this stupid and we start breaking down on policy, she and I are going to probably butt heads on a few things. Mm -hmm. But you know what's going what's gonna to be important to that discussion? The fact that we have mutual respect, we have mutual regard for the other person's ideas and position. And I'm not claiming I'm absolutely right. And she's not claiming she's absolutely right. That we recognize it. that, yeah, we're both a little bit right and a little bit wrong. So let's, where, where do we get to, to hash this out in a way in which we can come to a general consensus that what's good on healthcare, what's good on questions like abortion, what's good on questions like how kids are raised and how they're educated and how economies are created, that the general goal should be, let's get a little bit of from part A, part B, part C, 
to try to make something better for everybody. That's what leadership is supposed to do. And that's what leadership once did, even in the throes of difficult times. Mm -hmm. We were able to come to a consensus to balance the the nation's budget, to preserve and defend uh, our freedoms, et cetera. Uh, And now I think the American people and our leaders have largely given up on that exercise. There's so many layers of that too. I mean, there's uh, the fact that it's because they flood the zone with shit. There's so much out there that when that when I right. sound like I've got my hair on fire about something, and they're like, "Oh, there's Joe being hyperbolic again. Like, no, oh, our democracy is in danger." And it's like, "No, dummies, it really <laughs> freaking is." And I'm it like, really oh, is. Why it really right is. now? Like, it really is. And and it's and it's really it's really. Scary scary it's like it's like but the thing is we're not powerless we're not powerless those members of the house of representatives are not powerless to do something to take them to take the mantle right now to take up the the fight to correct this because what they're not doing in this like foxhole thing what you and i can agree on and i can agree on with liz cheney and i don't agree on anything with liz cheney is it on this all of this rests upon one fundamental thing, and that is, if we don't have a democracy, we can't have those debates about policy. Right. They don't Doesn't exist. Happen. That's right. And so, like Liz Cheney and I can be on literally opposite sides of the planet on every issue, and I really do think it is every issue. But that one, and that one allows me to go fight Liz Cheney on her other issues down the road. But that's Liz, it. That now that's, that's actually I I really. Put a pin in that point, folks, because that's an important thing you just said, that our agreement on that one issue, democracy, allows us to go fight down the road on everything else. And we don't mean fight in a, I'm going to hit you upside the head with my cane, <laughs> or I'm going to, you know, shoot you with my revolver in in, in Jersey. Oh, oh uh, I don't Harking back to the assassination <laughs> oh, of Mr. Yeah. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality of it is it allows us to have um, an honest discussion, debate around these very gnarly issues and very big ideas uh, and work towards a general understanding for the common good. Mm-hmm. That's why... Our founding document starts with, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union. And the and the idea behind that phrase is all of us working to achieve this idea. It's not perfect. And we've got to try to make it more perfect every day. But the only way we can do that, to wrap it back to your point, Joe, is... <laughs> We may disagree on everything else, but we have to agree on what this thing is that allow us to do everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's democracy. I mean, there's no better place to end that part of the conversation than there, because I do believe that we, the people, agree on much more than we think we do at the end of the day. And, and, what, we we saw, and what we saw in Ohio in their special uh, uh, ballot thing in August is that more people actually want democracy than don't. And that's more of a, of a nonpartisan issue than I think Republicans Absolutely. would like it to be. So Absolutely. We'll, we'll use that as hopeful, hopeful bellwether. But um, I love when you when you talk about we the people, I get all like, uh, mm, the, uh. 
because I'm such a dork for shit like this. Like, I, I know people think I'm stupid. It's good, so am I. I cried the first time I ever saw the House of Representatives. I was there again recently. I got to sit on the floor of the house. I cried like a baby. It's like, these are places that are so special to us. I want that to always be that and way. And we take the we take it for granted. Um, and when yeah. you and when you especially stop and think about how it was desecrated on January sixth, mm-hmm. um, in so many ways on so many levels, um, you can't feel numb to that. You have to feel something in the face of that. And so when you, I remember growing up in Washington D.C., my dad, whenever we would drive by the White House, he would pull the car. He literally would pull the car <laughs> over. And in those days, he could you could park there. And so he would stop out directly in front of the White House, park the car. Just one fence, right? <laughs> and and walk up to the fence and say, that's where the president lives. And, and talk to me about why that was important and why it was important for me, particularly as a young Black kid, given everything else that was going on around me uh, and my family at the time, um, that that still should hold value for me. Um, and I should appreciate that. And he would look at the capital, point to the capital, and he'd talk about it. And I would, as a teenager, spend my evenings, says a lot about my teenage years, <laughs> uh, sitting on the Capitol steps with a bag of chip and a bottle of Coke uh, with a, with friends. And, um, you know, we would, you know, the co- the cops would come by and they'd take, bring a glass, have a little Coke, dip into, <laughs> dip into the chips. But it was an appreciation of where you were. And so that I appreciate your sentimentality about it because it is it is a thing that kind of connects us. Yeah. You know, I appreciate the fact that you well up when you when you walk into the house chamber, as do I, as should every American. Um, and and that that sentiment is, I think a part of our problem right now it's 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 dissipating more and more and people just look at it as a structure that they can go down the hall and and smear feces smear feces on the wall or right. put their feet up on the desk and and break the windows mm-hmm. yeah Oh, it does. And I was there after all of that. And I, I, Harry Dunn, who's an amazing person, you probably know. Oh, I know Harry. Yes, my he buddy. He gave us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes tour, and I, and he showed us some of the places where they broke the windows, and and we met, you know, a lot of officers, and it was, it just blew my mind. My son is in eighth grade, and he's going on a field trip this year. Oh, um, good. Grade field trip, and Harry's going to hopefully meet, he meet up with him. But I want my son to feel what I felt in eighth grade when I first yeah. looked up at that rotunda and just was overwhelmed with this sense of awe-inspiring, like wow, this is, you know, this right. really special place and some very special country and it's not perfect and we have a lot of work to do but right like we we are a very special and unique place but the other thing just just the final point on that um with everything you just said it really kind of when you were saying i was sitting there and it's that way because that's not necessarily how we see it it's how the rest of the world sees it Mm -hmm. i mean people get on planes to come here Mm -hmm. from around the world to see these institutions to see the Capitol, to yeah. to visit the White House, uh, to go to the Smithsonian, to even visit the FBI building. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, it just it. There's something unique um, about our story and the way we've told our story. 
Um, and there is something even more unique about the way we're telling it now. Mm-hmm. And I think we should be concerned about that. I 100% agree. And your dad, we owe him a debt of gratitude. And my dad was an immigrant who came to this country and you know, he saw the shining city on a hill and he wanted that for yeah. himself and for his kids. And he instilled that love of this democracy. He spent all his whole entire career working for depart- the Department of Defense. He put that that love of this country in me and I'm going to pass it down to my kids. God help me, even if they can't stand me. I don't care. <laughs> Mom, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. go. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I know you have to go and I've got a really quick rapid fire. Oh, no, no, go ahead. But I, I, I promised my son, if I ever met Nancy Pelosi, that I would tell her this one story and I'm going to tell it because it's funny. I I think anyway, but I'm a weirdo. But so my son started history last year, seventh grade. He was, you know, the teacher asked him the first first day, first question. He's like, I just want to see what you guys know. He's like, who here thinks they knows know the name of the speaker of the house? No hands. And my son goes, Is it Nancy Pelosi? And he's like, Yes. How did you know that? And you're like, Oh my God. Some of the things my mom says when I roll my eyes and pretend I'm not listening are actually getting in. <laughs> And I was like, I win, I win, I win all the things. <laughs> so, so excited. Oh, let me yeah. tell you, there's more winning to come. Trust yeah. me, because my son, who's a lot older than your son, <laughs> uh, says to me uh, last month, he sends me this text. He goes, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm thinking, starting to think like you. <laughs> I was like, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's our revenge. It's but our revenge. It, but it's it it just it is our revenge. They just don't know it. Uh, but that but that's but that's important because guess what just happened in that moment? Um, your son became a small role model for his classmates, and now you know. Yeah, there'll be those who go, "Oh my God, teacher's pet." But <laughs> the reality of it is, uh, he should appreciate that he has a chance to help inform and educate as well. And that, you know, what you're teaching him and have taught him is something that he can pass on to his classmates. And, and, and that, that's good. That's, that's healthy for us as a country. Yeah. Um, We need to have our young people more civically attuned to how this thing works. Your son needs to know that literally, literally in what he's what now he's 10, probably 14. 14, eighth grade, 14. He's 14. Literally in four years, he's going to be voting for the first time. Exactly. And so he needs to understand now why that's important and why that's of value so that when he's 18, that's a proud moment for him. I remember it being a very proud moment for me and having big discussions um, with my mom and dad uh, about how I should vote and what party I should join. And of course, I scared the hell out of them with <laughs> with both those choices uh, uh, at the time. But it 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 you know it opened up a whole grand, you know, highway of opportunity of learning and, and influence. And so you you you're doing good, Kim. Yeah. You're doing good. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, he he hates me for it, but it's fine. <laughs> but, and then it's I, fine. Then I got it's to fine. Tell, but I did get to tell her what I promised him I would, and he thought that was pretty cool. So hopefully, he told his history teacher this year because he made honors history because of all the annoying things I talked about. So there you I go. mean, I would like him to run for office someday. Well, it, well, I digress. Okay, Michael Steele. <laughs> so so on that note, we're gonna do my really quick. My favorite part of my podcast is always my rapid fire random question round, and you are going to get a would you rather round, which is a special round of random fire, random rapid. Okay. Would I rather what? 
So it'll be a choice. You'll have to make, you can do this as fast or as in detail as you, as you care to do. So you just choose. I offer you two options and you choose between them. You don't have a lot of time to think about it. You know, you could whatever, rationalize gotcha. it. You're like, uh, I kept yours clean because I don't know why, but I did. So um, <laughs> I, I can do dirty. I, I know, do- but I don't know why. I don't know some, I guess maybe because, you know, my dad was a fan of yours. I was thinking my dad was looking down on me with, you know, so, okay. Question one, would you rather have a time machine or a teleporter? A time machine or a teleporter. Mm-hmm. And if you could go back in time, where would you go? I'd rather have a time machine. Yeah. And I, I, I go back, I go back to, um, I, I go back. I wanted, I'd want to meet Abraham Lincoln. And, and while I would want to try to avert his assassination, I think I probably would talk to him about his vice presidential choice. Mm. Interesting. Andrew Johnson was not a good choice. Think about the butterfly effect on that one. Yeah. Much more profound, much more profound effect than uh, had Lincoln lived, I think. Really? In some respects, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we that we can do a podcast on my on my thinking there. Okay. But, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'd go back. Yeah. So a time machine. Uh I I'm I while I'm very interested in the future and would love to go take a peek, I think I'd rather go back first for that for that moment. And go, you know what? I know what you're thinking, but <laughs> Don't no, do it. Don't. don't do it. No, no. Nope. Do it. And okay. by the way, yeah. if you if you just get a migraine on April fourth, it's okay. That play is terrible. <laughs> that play is absolutely terrible. You will not like the ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And whatever you do, do not sit in the balcony. But okay. Right. 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 Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. That was a fun. If you go to DC, by the way, and you've never been, I did that. Not fun. I don't describe that as fun. I did get to go to Ford's Theater, which was it's a it's cool. a it's a it's a wonderful. It actually is a wonderful, inspiring visit yeah. if you get a chance to go agreed um how was the play mrs lincoln question two would you rather live forever with an eyelash in your eye or spinach in your teeth spinach in my teeth <laughs> really yeah because i can always close my mouth <laughs> you can i can't <laughs> <Isn't that me? laughs> the the eye thing i'd be walking around like this all the time and people are like why is he constantly winking at people <laughs> See, that's hysterical. But I ask my kids if I have something in my teeth after I eat everything. So I feel like if I had constant spinach in my teeth, I would be like this. But well, the world you know, would be I'm, much I'm happier. The of, of, of self-cleaning. So, <laughs> you know, even, even without my toothbrush, I'd get that piece of spinach off. The eyelash thing, you know, that sucker can get all up in the <laughs> yeah. back and around the corner and the side and... It's just, no. And then you're walking around looking like you're Tourette's or something. It's just not a good day. It's imagine not a good look. Imagine your hits on cable. Like, yeah. Why is he winking at everybody? But, and the host is sitting there thinking, then I got HR involved. And, it's, it's, it's a and then they problem. bring me on and I got spinach in my teeth. And they're like, what is going on with her? Okay. Last question. Oh, this is, this is torture. Would you rather have, do you know, you must know this song. Would you rather have the song Baby Shark stuck in your head forever or the Cars for Kids song? Do you know those songs? Well, the Cars for, the Cars for Kids song is already stuck in my head. So it would be that. 
Do you know baby shark? One eight hundred cars and kids. Yeah, yeah, and the kids aren't playing the instruments, and they're so cute and adorable, and you want to hug them, but then you're like, okay, I need you to shut the hell up. All right, I'm tired of the song. It's the worst earworm in the history of time. But baby shark is giving it a run for its money. Baby shark is giving it a run for money, but since that one's already stuck, maybe I go with baby shark to get the other one out. And then if you can't get Baby Shark in, out of your head, then you got to go Jeremiah was a bullfrog. So that's my go. Now, full disclosure, <laughs> Jeremiah was a bullfrog was my talent song oh. in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, because it came out that year. So. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Oh, boom, boom. He was a good friend of mine. Never understood a single word he said, but I helped him to drink his wine. And he always has some mighty fine wine. Of course, the nuns looked at me a little bit funny when I started singing about drinking wine, but I think they kind of got the connection to communion. So it was okay. okay, That works. They were like, we've been hitting the wine. Just kidding. Um, Well, I've never sung on my podcast before, Michael Seal. So that was fun. Um, And I'm sorry to everybody because I'm not a singer, but... um, So on that note, and um, and now that everyone has all those songs in their heads, um, so that does it for this episode of the Are You Effing Kidding Me podcast. Michael Steele has a wonderful podcast called the Michael Steele Podcast. Yeah, we spent a lot of money into developing that. So I really appreciate it. if you come, at least check it out once. I've had my my buddy Jojo on. So Jojo from Jurors, she's been there in the room. It was amazing. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And yeah. so please check it out. And th- for me, this is just a real treat to come and, and hang out with you. So oh, I can't even tell you, I feel so at ease and comfortable with, you know, I used to think I was going to be so nervous and scared and I get nervous too, but like, you just, you're pretty amazing to me. And I feel very honored to even be able to have these conversations with you. But I think like that we are aligned in this crazy world really does speak to what we understand is at stake. And I, and I have some kind of construction or tree, something going on um, around me, um, which is probably my grandmother saying, shut up and get, get this poor man back to his life. So uh, it has been an incredible conversation. Not at all surprising. Stay safe out there, everybody. Um, and stay safe, Michael. Absolutely. And have an amazing week. I'll see you guys next Saturday. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Are You Effing Kidding Me? is a production of the Political Voices Network. Please visit us at politicalvoicesnetwork.com. Thank you.